0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 golden goal soccer stars and the moments that made them premiering this summer on blue wire Blue wire the Boston Celtics select
1: Jason Tatum from Duke University
0: round of the break for the Celtics
1: goes around the world.
0: Oh! The circus game in about this Walker for three Kemba Walker from downtown Tatum drives down. and throws it down. Wow! Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block
1: out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. Joined as always by. Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you?
2: Well, Tom, I have a pretty bad sunburn right now because I was outside this morning and didn't realize that the sun was just like beating down on us. But otherwise, I am great. How about you?
1: Excellent. I'm good. Just uh, enjoying some rain, letting somebody else water my garden, which I have now because I'm 30. So apparently (laughs) I have a garden we're gonna talk about a few things today we're gonna get into the schedules that came out
2: tatum also made news on the internet because of his new haircut which i don't really have like a hot take on it i don't think it looks particularly good i don't think jason tatum cares though what i think about his hair so i'm not (laughs) trying to say like my opinion is very important i do think it's interesting that he chose to have like a very clean cut hairline and then also have the curls, you know what I mean? Like it just was a little bit of a contrasting look. I think though, what the goal is, is he wants to grow out his hair and then get braids. So I think that was more of just like him getting like cleaned up. I don't think that was like necessarily like, this is the final product. But a lot of people on the internet were roasting him and he acknowledged it, he fired off a tweet too. So he was aware of people's opinions. And I think there were two elements as to why people were roasting him. One, because of just like the hair, like a lot of people were like, this looks like a before picture. Like, where's the cut? And two, because of the look he had on his face, he himself (laughs) did not seem particularly enthused with the look based on just like those photos. I'm sure he's fine with it.
1: I don't have, like, many takes on uh, Jason Tatum's hair, personally. I will say that it was, like, a little jarring, good or bad. It was just, like, so different that it was like, oh, wow. Like, Tatum's really trying something new.
2: Especially when you think back to his rookie year when he just had, like, no facial hair. Or maybe he had, like, a mustache, but, like, very limited facial hair and just a straight buzz. And now he has curls, a beard, like, the whole nine.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more going on there. And I, w- I will also say that seeing Jason Tatum getting his hair cut made me miss my barber.
2: And I think he, his hair looks like Deuce's hair I can
1: with see the that. curls. Like yeah. I see
2: the resemblance a lot more. And I'm curious to see what look he goes with once games start. Like whether he'll wear a headband, whether he'll end up shaving it off, whether he'll have enough hair to do braids. But in addition to the roasting, there were a lot of fans who were like, this MFR is about to drop 40 on everyone. Like people were right, getting right, pumped right. about it too. So.
1: Right. For sure. I could see how that look would look good with a headband, actually push it all to the top, kind of let it hang over the top. I could see that. That'd be kind of cool. All right, guys. Well, I have exhausted all of my takes on Jason Tatum's hair. Um, I'm sure Nicole has too. So we will take a quick break to hear from Bet online. And when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule because we have games now. So we'll be right back. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.
2: All right, so the schedule was released for the, I guess, conclusion of the regular season, the eight seating games that will be taking place in Orlando. And it was kind of abrupt, like on Friday they announced that the Union and the League have agreed to the resumption of the season, and we're going to announce the schedule tonight at 7. Like, it was all in one day that all of this came together. So, yeah, we got the schedule. Any initial thoughts, Tom?
1: I do think it's worth noting, and I believe it was um, Michael Pina who actually pointed this out first. I do think it's worth noting that for everybody who said that Kyrie was completely off base and that you know, everybody could talk about the NBA, but also like talk about like social justice issues and all this stuff. The night that the schedule came out, the only topic of conversation. And I mean, I was guilty of this too, obviously, because I wrote like a big breakdown on masslivecom slash Celtics about the, uh, about the schedule. It did feel very noticeable that as soon as we had actual basketball to talk about, the conversation went immediately to that. And I get it. It was the night that everything was released, maybe in the future, You know, people can walk and chew gum at the same time.
2: No, I totally agree. Like, everyone was just, like, completely jazzed about the schedule. People were already, like, putting out predictions and stuff like that. And it definitely shows shows that the NBA coming back, any sports coming back, it'll shift the conversation back to sports and away from the racial injustices. And it feels weird acknowledging that right as we're about to break down the schedule.
1: I think something that's going to be really important for people to remember because the NBA season is going to start no matter what, and we are going to have to do stories no matter what. And I think inevitably, unfortunately, that will shift the conversation back to sports. And quite frankly, like, I don't know how much there is that, like, Nicole and I specifically can do about that. I, I hope that people remember the thing that people want here is material change. Like, we need to see material change, I think. And Like the symbolic change is great. It's good that that type of thing can happen. I hope that this doesn't take away from the momentum toward material change because that momentum is the really important stuff. Like we need to have a complete shift in the way that policing is done in this country. We need like everything that like the Black Lives Matter movement has called for is really important. And I hope that those things materially change, not just that we tear down a bunch of statues, even though I have absolutely no problem with statues coming down, not just that we like, allow NBA players to put a person's name on the back of their jersey or or like put a message on the back of their jersey or write Black Lives Matter on the back of their jersey, even though we obviously want Breonna Taylor's killers brought to justice. We obviously believe that Black Lives Matter. I hope that the momentum goes toward material change. Dealing with how we can try to keep that conversation in the mainstream is is, going to be really important um, as the NBA restarts. I think that we have a responsibility toward that because we are media. We are part of shaping that conversation. So I think that's going to be an ongoing conversation for me and Nicole. We're going to have to talk about how to prioritize that. And obviously we have like a relatively small platform compared to some, but I hope that whatever platform we have that we're able to bring attention to that. Definitely. With all of that being said, we're going to try to transition into the schedule, and it's going to be awkward, and I think that's okay. I don't know that this all should feel comfortable, because it is difficult. It's difficult to try to still have conversations about the things that we do need to talk about, because we're sports reporters, and people mostly, like, listen to us, and we have platforms, mostly because people care about what we have to say about sports. Like, people aren't following us for our takes on racial injustice and, like... Economic inequality and like racial inequality and that kind of thing. Like, that's not why people follow us. People follow us because we are Celtics reporters. We do need to talk about the Celtics, but I also think that like it's okay if it feels a little awkward right now to talk about the schedule based on everything we just said. With that being said, let's talk about the schedule, Nicole.
2: So, the Celtics will open the season, open the restart against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's probably the like highest profile matchup. Their other opponents, I'll just go through them quickly Trailblazers, Miami Heat, Brooklyn Nets, Toronto Raptors, Orlando Magic, Memphis Grizzlies, and the Washington Wizards. So, looking at that eight game slate, I honestly would expect the Celtics to, at the very least, go six and two. I could see them losing to the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think they should beat the Raptors, but I know that that's a very important game for both teams given the seeding. The Raptors ended the season, or ended the hiatus, as or started the hiatus, I guess. <laughs> as the second seed in the East, and the Celtics are the third seed. Celtics are three games behind the Raptors, so they're obviously looking to make up ground. Raptors are looking to maintain the second seed. So I could see them losing potentially those two games, but at the very least, I think they should go 6-2. and That being said, I think the Miami Heat game will be potentially – because we have no idea what people are going to look like. Depending on how things shake out, the Heat definitely have the talent and the ability to beat the Celtics depending on what like iteration I guess of the players we see. Right. And then the only other game of note is obviously the Grizzlies game because the Celtics do have the Grizzlies pick right now and the Grizzlies are vying for that eighth seed in the West. Ultimately, I think my prediction is that they'll go six and two.
1: Your your rationale it makes sense, like going six and two on this schedule. My biggest takeaway from the schedule release was how plausible it is that the Celtics can get up to the two seed because they could go six and two. And then when you look at Toronto's schedule, I mean, that thing is a buzzsaw. They have the Lakers, the heat, the magic, the Celtics, the Grizzlies, the bucks, the Sixers, the nuggets, like the Grizzlies should be beatable. The magic are like obviously beatable, but then the rest of those teams are just all going to be tough. And if the Celtics, obviously, if they can get up to the number two seed, then they don't have to face the Sixers or the Indiana Pacers in the first round. Then they're more likely to get Orlando or Brooklyn, you know, in that seventh seed. And that's, I've seen a lot of people point out like, oh, like home court doesn't matter. And like, that's true. But getting up to the number two seed would, because then you get to avoid those teams that you really don't want to face in the first round. With everything that's going to be going on with this restart and and everybody kind of getting themselves back into shape. If you can get that first round playoff series to be not like a gimme, but like, a little bit easier and you can still kind of work yourself, work your way back in. I think that could have some real benefits. So I think Boston should push to try to get number two. I think that game against the Raptors is going to be really, really, really important. And I I think it's possible that they pull it off.
2: Yeah, obviously it's hard to make predictions too, because we just don't know what these players are going to look like, not just on the Celtics, but like across the league. Look at
1: Jason Tatum's hair. We have no idea (laughs) what these guys are going to look like.
2: Like you just don't know what four months off is going to do to – Chemistry to conditioning to a variety of things. So it'll be fascinating to see what their approach is. There is only one back to back, but especially with sort of the demand of games, it's in a condensed period of time. They're going to be playing these eight games like live action basketball for the first time in so long. I do wonder whether Brad will sit Kemba. I do wonder what the status is of Kemba's knee. The natural inclination is to assume that he's better because he's been resting. But you just don't know. So I do wonder whether they will rest people, whether they will go all out. What will their approach be? Will they go with sort of like a playoff rotation in the regular season games? What lineups will we see? Things like that.
1: I think one of the other things to keep an eye on for the Celtics, you know, we, we've talked about the Grizzlies, obviously, at length. They have a tough schedule, too, and, like, they have a, a pretty decent lead. If they were, like, a game up on the Trailblazers, I think it would be pretty easy to predict that they would fall out of the playoffs. But they're not. They're a couple games up. But when you go through Memphis's schedule, the Blazers, they start off against them. And this is the other thing. They have head-to-heads against everybody. So they have a game against the Blazers to start. The Spurs, another team that's chasing them. The Pelicans, another team that's chasing them. And then you get to the Jazz, the Thunder, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks. Obviously, everybody's schedule is tough in the bubble. I feel like Memphis's schedule is especially tough because literally their first three games are all teams that are chasing them. And then the next five are all like somewhere between like pretty good and very good teams. I I, I do feel like this schedule broke almost perfectly for the Celtics
2: for the grizzlies if the grizzlies get the 8th seed and are in the playoffs the celtics will get their pick in yes. the 2020 draft
1: correct yes the celtics have their pick 1 through 6 protected and actually i should point out somebody on twitter um i forget his handle and i apologize somebody on twitter pointed out that like if the grizzlies do fall out of the playoffs there is actually like a weirdly major difference in this year's draft between like the number 14 and the number 17 pick like if you go through the mock drafts it's a pretty flat first round but there is sort of like a tier of guys that definitely stops around like 14 or 15, and then you sort of get into the next year. So for Boston, even if they do get, which they probably would, even if Memphis fell out of the playoffs, percentage-wise, it's very unlikely that they would jump into the, into the top four, and then the pick would go unprotected the next year. That's super unlikely to happen no matter what. But if Memphis does drop out of the playoffs, and if the Celtics do get that pick, the, the simple fact of them moving up three spots could actually make like a pretty major difference in terms of the type of prospect who's available to them.
2: We don't know what next year is going to look like, but the Grizzlies do have like... Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, John Morant, they could be very good next year. And the unprotected pick could end up being, I don't know if it will be like that bad, but like not that great anyway.
1: It's tough, too, though, because if you look at the West, there's just so many good teams, and there's, like, so many teams that feel ascendant. Like, Portland is on, like, the verge of the playoffs right now, and, like, you would probably pick them to be in the playoffs because they have Dame, and they have, you know, they have a decent team, and then, like, they'll have Nurkic coming back. You know, obviously, the Pelicans are going to hopefully have Zion for the whole year next year. So there are things that could happen. But, no, it, it's a very fair point. Like, that Memphis team is looking pretty good. Yeah, I don't think that's a, an unreasonable uh, point at all.
2: Going back to the schedule, though, it is kind of fun. So the Celtics have a game at 6.30, 3.30, oh, 9.00, yes. 5.00, yes. 6.30. So, one, it'll be good just from a work standpoint to have some earlier tip-off times. And two, that's just indicative of how much basketball will be on our TVs. I'm
1: going to read you the schedule for Friday, July 31, the day the Celtics play their first game back. The Orlando Magic play the Brooklyn Nets at 2.30 p.m. At 4 p.m., the Grizzlies play the Blazers. Also at 4 p.m., the Suns play the Wizards. At 6.30, the Celtics play the Bucks. At 8, the Kings play the Spurs. And at 9, the Rockets play the Mavericks. Those aren't even, like, great games, but I'm just so excited to watch them. Like, starting at 2.30 p.m., just kind of seeing all of those games in a row is kind of exciting. I do think it's worth, Nicole, do you want to, uh, you had a, a story that went live on Friday. Um, about Ennis Cantor who is his father um, is going to be free is free I don't remember which one that it is why don't you you take us through the story a little bit um, how that all came together and just kind of what do you feel like you learned about Ennis Cantor from doing that
2: yeah so I feel like Tom and I have not been shy with some friendly ragging on Ennis for just doing a lot of media for like constantly being in the spotlight and It's challenging as a reporter because obviously everything you do ideally is exclusive. That's obviously not the reality. We have a lot of shared quotes, press conferences, things like that. But the goal is to just get one-on-one interviews and sort of break news, whether that's transactional or in terms of a story. Like you're the first one telling the story to people, things like that. So with a player like Ennis, it's sometimes frustrating because you'll do an interview with him, a one-on-one interview, and you'll think it went really well. And then you'll see he gave the same exact quotes or talked about the same exact thing with another outlet. It seems like he has just no bar in terms of who he talks to, things like that. He's just constantly in the headlines. That can be frustrating as a reporter, and it's easy to sort of like gently poke fun at him for just like how interested he is in having his name in the headlines. And so when he tweeted that his father had been released, obviously that's big news and the Globe wanted a story on it. And they're like, can you reach out to him and see whether he'd want to talk? And so I sort of reluctantly was like, sure, because with Ennis, you just know that he's going to do this story with so many people. He texted me back and was like, I need to learn more about the situation, but then like when I'm good to go, I'll let you know. So I get a text from him on Friday being like, all right, I like can talk today if you want to. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. And we chatted for like an hour and he sort of explained his whole situation in that the reason why he does so much media is to put pressure on the Turkish government. It's a way for him to get his message out. Like I always knew he was an outspoken critic of their current president or dictator, if you would ask Ennis and multiple people, Erdogan. I didn't really realize, I guess, the whole backstory in that. So he started, not to just go into, like, Turkish politics right now, but so he started speaking out against Erdogan in 2013, and then he aligned himself with Gulen, this guy who then Erdogan blamed for trying to overthrow him in 2016. Ever since then, Erdogan has basically been trying to, like, punish Gulen supporters, or anybody with connection to Gulen. That's just innocent people, like tens of thousands of people were arrested, like 44,000 people were arrested if I remember correctly. And then another like over 100,000 people lost their jobs just because there were reports that they were connected to Gulen. A bunch of innocent people were put in jail. A bunch of like teachers lost their licenses and Ennis's father was one of them. So he used to be a professor and then he lost his job at the university. And then obviously Ennis continued to speak up against Erdogan. So Erdogan didn't like him. So anybody associated with Ennis was considered a terrorist and his dad then was considered a terrorist. And like his family had to disown him publicly in order to try and like get jobs, basically. Like his sister went to medical school and couldn't get a job because of her last name that she was related to Ennis. And so the reason why he speaks up is just to try and like threaten might be too harsh of a word here but basically to put pressure on the government like if you don't do something like we're going to respond with action so he needs to just continue to show that like he's aware of what's going on and he wants like these innocent people to be free if that makes sense And i don't know if i like ever put that together like i just knew that he didn't like erdogan and erdogan didn't like him and there was tension there but yeah, so his dad now, his dad was never, I saw a couple of stories that said like, oh, his dad has been released from jail and he was sentenced to 15 years. His dad was never in serving a 15 year jail sentence. It was that his dad was on trial and if he were convicted of being a terrorist, he would have then started his 15-year jail sentence. So it was more that just his dad's trial has ended, basically. He is a free man now, but Ennis was saying that the Turkish government kept delaying his trial in an effort to just detain him because they knew that they couldn't convict him. I guess, like, long story short, and I hope that made sense to people, it was it's hard to sort of tell, like, a condensed version, especially when you aren't extremely well-versed in, like, Turkish politics and things like that. He isn't just doing this media, like, I feel like, myself included, a lot of people think that he just does media because he likes to be in the headlines and things like that. And no, like, there's actual benefit to him doing media, especially media in which he is criticizing Erdogan and making known what is going on in Turkey. And so right now he has this You Are My Hope campaign in which he's like soliciting celebrity help, including like Fair Abraham and like random ass people. But it actually makes a difference because no matter who these people are that he's getting to help him, like they do have platforms. So like the information does get out. And what he's trying to do with the You Are My Hope campaign is to Free the other people like his dad who were innocent and just like who knows how closely connected to Gulen. But since the coup, they have been like either out of work or imprisoned or have been mistreated by like sort of the Erdogan regime. It sort of just like helped me put in perspective like what exactly he's doing because like it's great how available he is like to have a player text you and be like yeah I want to do this story like it's just you always wonder how many media outlets is he doing this with it's kind of frustrating but now I get why he needs to do it with a bunch of outlets it's because he needs to make sure that this message gets across in Turkey that he's doing this does that all make sense it does I
1: I think you put it really well Just from your story, some people are saying I do too much media, but whenever I go around and talk about this, it puts pressure on the government, said Cantor. Whenever we put pressure on them, they're scared. I believe from day one, I told my two brothers, there's no way they're going to find him guilty because they're scared of my voice. Uh, A little bit later in the story, he says, in Turkey's eyes, I'm a terrorist, Cantor said. If you're talking to a terrorist, then you're guilty too. I'm trying to tell people the pressure we're putting on them is working, Cantor said. My dad is only one. My family is only one family. Everybody in the world knows my story because I'm playing in the NBA. And I talk about this stuff all the time. I'm trying to use my story to tell other stories. Like you said, you talked to him for an hour. I thought you picked really good quotes from him for, for the story because the first one was, you know, just like everything you were saying, like the reason that he does too much media, you know, is because he's he's trying to put pressure on them and that and clearly has worked. I, I think a lot of people probably would not know who Erdogan was, like if it wasn't just for like Cantor, specifically Ennis Cantor. Agreed. And I, I think that the other thing to remember is like the middle quote in Turkey's eyes, I'm a terrorist. I think people should think about what it would feel like to have your government consider you specifically a terrorist that honestly that I think that would be pretty terrifying. It really puts into perspective why he was scared to go to Toronto, why he was scared to go to Canada. If your government thinks you're a terrorist, that's incredibly powerful people at an incredibly high level like I think it's worth trying to think about that from his perspective and think about what it would feel like to literally be a terrorist in the country you're from like. I also have been critical of Ennis. You know, mine is a little bit different. Like, I'm, I'm more critical of Ennis's American politics. But I will say that when you, like, the, the people that he has made connections with are people who would have power over his situation. He made a rather unfortunate uh, for him endorsement of a New York politician who ended up losing his primary. But that politician, Elliot Engel, was the uh, chairman of the House of Representatives Foreign Affairs Subcommittee in the Western Hemisphere. Like again, like we're talking about people who have a lot of power on foreign affairs. Now, do I agree with that endorsement? Uh but like he he has he has been doing a lot of this stuff for a reason. You know, this has not just been random. Or at least not all of it has been random. Not all of it has been just like looking for headlines. And I do think one, I, I think that this was a really important story to tell, like on your part, and, and I would I would add to it that I think it it's really important to remember that like as we're constantly hearing from Ennis Cantor, as he's showing up in places, as he is spreading his message and spreading his message and spreading his message. To your point, like into the point of your story, he's been doing this for a reason. He's been trying to uh, bring attention to something. I, I think the thing that makes it admirable is that he's not just trying to bring attention to his story. He is pointing out that there are other people like him who don't have the same platform, the same level of attention that he has.
2: And the last thing I'll say too, is that like Ennis hasn't spoken to his dad in years. I didn't include this in the story, but, like, the Turkish government raided his family's home to seize all of the electronics to see if they've still been talking to him. Like, he legitimately can't talk to his family. So now that his dad is free, ideally, he's hoping that his parents can move to the U.S. and he'll actually be able to see his parents for, like, the first time in, like, years. Imagine not seeing your parents, not just not seeing them, not talking to your parents for five plus years because of something like this. It, it's got to, he always says like basketball is an, his escape, but I give him credit for like not having that way on him because like he's so alone. Like he doesn't have any family here It just put a lot of things about Ennis in perspective to me. And, like, I've talked to Ennis for stories before, but I feel like this one was actually really productive in terms of, like, my own understanding of the situation.
1: Definitely. All right, guys, I think we're going to leave it there. Kind of a weirdly heavy Geno Time episode for, like, two days after the NBA schedule was announced. As always, we appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate anybody who left us a review and everything else. Is that thunder? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're getting some uh, pretty serious thunderstorm out here in central mass so yeah we uh, again we, we appreciate you guys thank you all for listening and we will talk to you on thursday
0: sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history